Sarah Roberts is in jeopardy. Hey, lady. How about it? Stay with her. Help her. For she has begun to feel the awful horror of the hunger. John Blaylock. The hunger has given him everlasting life. Until now, pray for him. Miriam Blaylock. She feeds one day in seven on the unsuspecting. And soon she will turn into something that you will never be able to forget. No matter how hard and how long you try, fear her. What have you done to me? Forever and ever. And life signs terminate right here. <laughs> beauty of Catherine Deneuve, the cruel elegance of David Bowie, the open sensuality of Susan Sarandon, combined to create a modern classic of perverse fear. Mysterious, sensual, strange, perverse, riveting. The hunger. Welcome back, dear listeners, to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast that talks about horror movies, generally from all eras, but for a little while here, just the 80s. Because we hit episode 80 and went, hey, wait a minute, what if we did a movie from every one of the years of the 80s except for 1980? Which would have been the last of the 70s. Really, if you think about it, right? Yeah. You know, I I can't... We shouldn't feel bad for missing 1980. Right. Like, what, what did 1980 have going on? Bah. So um, thank you to the Moon Rays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features. And uh, you can find them on Amazon or iTunes if you want to buy their music. If you want to say hi, they are the Moon Dash Rays on Facebook. So um, it's springtime. Yeah. Is yeah. it? Well, everything in it's Denver. It's cold and rainy. Everything in Denver got smashed to bits by baseball-sized hail. Yeah. So that looked pretty horrifying. What have you watched since last time, Jolien? Uh, well, I've been busy doing Gumby. Gumby. <laughs> so not a lot of movies that aren't Gumby-related. With the aid of your uh, T-1000 
tiki books that you kindly lent me. Yes. Um, so uh, uh, I watched um, a martial arts, well, kind of kung fu movie called New Tales of the Flying Fox, which was excellent. Hmm. From 1984. It's got Kara Hoi in it, uh, Felix Hong, Alex Mann. Um, it's kind of a traditional wuxia movie combination of various plots like revenge war between the clans mm. um uh camera moves and the performances are really good and uh the script yeah I mean, it's you know it's, it's your it's traditional it's i think it's from a, a novel okay um so it's probably been filmed before this is from like 84 uh Karahoy is always cool to watch she gets she's so like she looks so slight, but she's just ferocious. That's cool. Um, uh, yeah, I was, I was very entertaining. And the the subtitles were the, the English was very good, but um, I mean, way better than what you see on Facebook or in something. Right. But um, here's a couple of great lines. <laughs> My favorite favorite was uh, what fertilizer? It is a cocktail of excrement. Oh wow! Wow. I mean, you know. <laughs> to turn a phrase, right? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Maybe that's why I watched. Is it? Oh, that was easy. Will, anything? Watch The Last Kingdom Season 2. What's, what's that? Is, uh, is it Turkish? No, it's a British show about Uhtred, who's a Viking. He's a Dane who's helping King Alfred. Uh, what is that? The ninth century, I believe. Wow, long well, time ago. We're going way back. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's not historically accurate or anything, but it's not <laughs> telenovela like some of the things we watch. So. Right. I saw last week they found another old king. Oh yeah, King Edmund in Bury St Edmunds of all places. Oh well, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was below a tennis court. <laughs> so obviously, back in the day when they did Kings Inn, they buried them under the nearest under the sports nearest. facility. Yeah, like Jimmy Hoffa. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> Supporting the union. What else did I watch? Uh, oh, the I Americans. Watched... No, I've not watched any Americans. Uh, well, no, did we? Yeah, I think we did watch one episode recently. Um. Watch the terrible, terrible Rogue One. Oh, how bad is oh, it? Yeah, Star Wars movie. <laughs> wow. I couldn't believe how bad it was. Wow. It was worse than just about anything. <laughs> uh, it may have been as bad as the, not the most recent Ninja Turtles. I didn't see that one, but the one before that. As the, like, totally soulless just moving parts on a screen there's yep. nothing you could care about it's very perfunctory huh oh totally perfunctory i haven't but i've heard that it's just sort of uh here's some fan service thank you for your money we're gonna do another I, one of these mm-hmm. in a year mm-hmm. <laughs> i wrote that you know george lucas ripped everything off to make star wars mm-hmm. uh which he did and mm-hmm. you know it works yeah uh this movie ripped off Star Wars to make Star Wars, and wow. it's 
Ouroboros of crap. <laughs> See, that sort of cannibalism doesn't work. No, it was total, like, remember this? Or I, I like the look. I will admit I like the look of some of it. It felt very Star Wars-y. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So if you put on some Philip Glass and just turn the volume off of the movie... Maybe... It's still... <laughs> I went to see it on the big screen and I quite enjoyed it. It might, yeah, it might look pretty I, on the big screen. I found the the last half hour it was people asking other people what was going on. <laughs> it's the voice of the audience. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was a so, lot of people. So yelling. many things that they had to do in order to accomplish various missions that you'd always have a character going, "What's happening? Oh, I have to pull this lever in order for this to happen, in mm-hmm. order for this to happen." It's just half an hour of just exposition. Yeah, it was a lot of that. Um, I couldn't tell you who anybody was. <laughs> Maybe visually I could point people out, but mm. name-wise, nobody had a name or a personality. Right. Um, I, I remember Donna Yen. Yeah, he was probably the only one that's got any sort of tiny sliver of character as a blind <laughs> sort of force user. Huh. And uh, Zatoichi. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? pretty much. <laughs> the blind swordsman. Uh, he had kind of blue eyes. I think he was on the spice. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. And the, uh, yeah. Just... At this point, like, what are they going to do? You get a bunch of rebels mm-hmm. and the aim of the mission is to blow up something really big. Yeah. Using its one floor. Yeah. You know, a bunch of X-Wings fly around. It's exactly, what yeah. Else they, what that, else that all do? sounds familiar. I feel like, you know, Star Wars is tiny. Absolutely has to be the tiniest little universe. <laughs> there can only be one real plot. Mm. There's the Death Star. Yeah, desert planet. A desert planet. Uh, yeah. Like, really? You can't? branch out with star wars they should have jumped ahead like a hundred years no they should maybe maybe go back to the source you know and reread flash gordon and yeah rewatch samurai movies and because they had different plots yeah they did they could find something mm-hmm. but no i think they'll just crank them out every year till the wheels come off hopefully it's <laughs> sooner than later <laughs> Uh, but that's all I watched, I think. Well, as for me, um, before I talk about what I watched, we were talking about Rock and Roll High School. It's, uh-huh. it's like, who were, who were the bands that they were considering? I looked it up. They were considering Cheap Trick and Todd Rundgren. It's like, I think you guys made the right choice here. because Devo, Devo is another one. Were they for sure? Yeah. Because I couldn't find that in my research, but I, God, I that would have been remarkable to see Devo. I mean, almost, they almost should have done. It would have been called Flexi Pop High School. Oh, nice! Yes, the flower pot hats. But um, that, and when I couldn't remember what the the more dour of the uh, documentaries that I watched was, I looked it up on my Netflix history, and it was this one about um, the standoff at Ruby Ridge, Idaho, mm. with that guy Randy Weaver and his family. It was that one, and that was, uh, it was good to know what happened, but man, what a tragic set of events. And Did you, you know. ever check out Dem- uh, Documentary Now? I think it's on 
Netflix. It's a fake documentary. No. With uh, <clears throat> Fred Armistead and Bill Hader. Oh wow. Um, I watched. I haven't watched this latest season, but the first season had. They made fun of Grey Gardens. Oh no. You ever, you've seen Grey Gardens with the the old ladies yeah. who live in the rundown place. Yeah. Um, Nanook of the North, which is a great one. Uh, yeah, they're only like half an hour long or so. Yeah. Um, the Thin Blue Line one they made fun of was just brilliant. I mean, they're obviously big fans. They get the look down just right. Oh, that's great. And, uh, you know, uh, I was kind of hoping the first one with the Grey Gardens, there's people who keep disappearing. <laughs> and I was hoping they'd turn it into like a thin blue line and then keep pushing the documentaries every week would be same storyline, but a different style. Yeah, it would just spill into the next one. Yeah. That'd be great. But other than that, it's a good show. Check it out. Yeah. Since so, you're watching documentaries. Uh, so that was it for documentaries uh, for now. But um, I rewatched Night of the Living Dead, the 91 remake. Uh, it was great to rewatch that, you know, more than a year after we did. I was our... going to say, didn't we just watch that one? No, we did original versus remake over a year ago. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was over a year I ago. I couldn't remember Messiah of Evil, oh. the title of that movie. It was making me crazy. You're trying to tell someone about it. And I it's was like, like what the hell was the name of that? I'm like, it wasn't even that long ago. I have to pull up my own damn I podcast. I did. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, a more serious movie, uh, Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. And that's the one with Casey Affleck. Uh, yeah. He's in a morgue, right? Uh, no. <laughs> it feels... No morgue at the sea? <laughs> no, it feels little... Manchester more. Little in common with uh, the living dead at the Did Manchester Did he let those morgue. people sleep? He did. <laughs> I'm not going to ruin the movie for you. Oh. Uh, actually, I wouldn't want to go into explaining what it's all about, but if there's a... A lot of tragedy woven in there that they that they sort of unfurl before you throughout the movie and it felt like a longer movie i didn't look at the runtime on it but i feel like it was two and a half hours and uh man he did some great work as far as his acting and uh portrayal of a very damaged person uh going through a lot of newly damaging shit in his life so yeah that's a, it's a good one and uh Watched a bunch of the new season of uh, Catastrophe, which is the one about the fairly crass uh, American guy living in England with a woman who he did finally marry. I don't know this show at all. Oh, it's Rob Delaney. He's a, I believe he's a comedian to begin with, but he's a good comedic actor. And uh, he ends up married to this woman because I think they accidentally get pregnant to begin with. And then I think at some point they decide, oh, the hell with it, let's get married. And she's from Ireland, I think. But uh, she really likes being in England. And he likes being there, but they run into all kinds of troubles that are a lot of things that are their own making. And they're they're fairly awful people, but they're very funny. And, um, yeah, it's all about their kind of uh, comedic... Uh, what is the song? Uh, I think it's on Amazon. Huh. I could be wrong on that one. I think that's how we're watching it. Uh, and I've been catching up with Better Call Saul because I'm a couple episodes behind. But uh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm like really... five episodes behind now. Yeah, yeah, I'm the... behind on Fargo too. Oh, I'm I'm gonna have to just binge that one day. Well, over a couple of days after the season's done. But uh, the Better Call Saul uh, current season is really good. The the Mike storyline and the Jimmy and Chuck uh, story those yeah. those are really interesting right now, and it's it's heating up. It's going to get pretty crazy, or already has if you've been watching it. But I'm I'm just going into episode four. Uh huh. I think they're on five right now. Yeah, I think five just came out. Yeah. So that's it for me. So did you watch the awful Doctor Orlock? Did not yet. Okay. Um, I do plan to... I've decided to stop trying to watch stuff when I'm tired. uh, Unless it's something that... Like, I've been watching bits and pieces of the long hair of death until Mm. I get tired. And it's it's weird because it's... They're speaking in in English in the the overdub. Mm. And the subtitles don't match at least half the time. (laughs) At least... It's like, no, he didn't just call her a witch. <laughs> he said that woman over there. He mm-hmm. didn't say, aha, she's a witch like her mother. <laughs> no, it's not what was said. Oh, man. Unless that's what was said in the original language, but it's not what was said in the overdub. So anyway, uh, Long Hair of Death is something <laughs> I've watched about 10 to 15 minute increments of it. And it's like, oh, man, this looks so good, but I, I'm so tired. Uh, so I'm not going to start anything good like that when when I'm uh, sleepy at all. And some of these days get longer and, you know, you're trying to, trying to get everything done in a day. It's not easy. So The Hunger. Um, haven't seen this one in a while. Will, have you watched this uh, before? I, I believe I've seen this before a long, long time ago. Um... I could not finish it. No? <laughs> what happened? I fell asleep the first time. Yeah? Well, much like Rogue One, my body told me, don't watch this. <laughs> Go to sleep. Uh, so the second time I, I the, the hunger, I sat down this afternoon to watch it, and I could not keep any sort of concentration on it. I kept getting up and doing stuff and your taxes yeah anything else laundry laundry wandering around raking the pea gravel yeah uh i don't know why it's just slow it's a dull was anybody else bored um i wasn't just me it it has a weird here's the thing about this that's really strange um here's a short list of other things tony scott directed Unstoppable, Man on Fire, Enemy of the State, Crimson Tide, True Romance, The Last Boy Boy Scout, Days of Thunder, Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop 2. These are all like really lively, albeit mainstream, really lively kind of uh, forward-moving action pictures. And it's kind of weird, like this one has a dreamy quality and a slower-moving way about it, which... Because of how it looked, I enjoyed it. Uh, oh, it looked fantastic. I think I personally am not a huge fan of the '80s. Okay. Uh, I don't remember it being great. Uh, I don't remember being terribly, terribly impressed by design in the '80s while they were happening. Mm-hmm. But 
I appreciate that the 80s were trying to do something different, whereas now everything is just a remake of a remake. Yep. Um, so it was... so despite looking like a Nagel painting at the beginning, right? it was fantastic. <laughs> Did you enjoy Bauhaus doing oh, yeah. Bela Lugosi's Dead? Oh, yeah. Mm. That was all great. It, well, when they get into the whole progeria and and uh david bowie bits i got a little sleepy okay so was it a pacing issue it was totally a pacing issue and i think maybe if i had sat down and watched it the night before it would have been better than trying to watch it today okay um i think Jean would have liked it if she hasn't seen it already oh, yeah. the blu-ray blue looks great oh it does it looks fantastic the uh the uh, makeup effects were pretty good yeah. Yeah. on David Bowie. It's Dick yeah. Smith and Cole Yeah, I was going to say it's Dick Smith because it's, Which he, he like had... you talked about, you know, it all yeah. kind of looks the same <laughs> in a way. But I was great. trying to figure what it is. I think it's the the mottledness of the skin. The jowliness. He likes he, jowls. He likes jowly, but he also likes lots of liver spots and whatnot. <laughs> and I think they have the same sort of, I don't want to say texture, but sort of texture that they mm-hmm. that uh, that they always do, or at least seems to in his stuff. But yeah, it was a fantastic makeup job. I would have liked to have seen uh, his aging effects on Bowie go more gaunt. I would have liked to have seen, like, what if he really accented Bowie's cheekbones and chin and, uh, you know, maybe did something with his already wonky teeth. Uh, I mean, because Bowie is so distinct looking. And for him to be aging and start to look more like uh, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that's just uh, part of the effect. I think it'd be too hard to make David Bowie look much older and very gaunt, I think, as old as he has to look in this. Right. You're going to get kind of stuck with what the technology could do at the time. So, you know, uh, short of starving old David Bowie <laughs> for a couple months or something. The even thinner White Duke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it, but all that being said, uh, yeah, his, his makeup effects, amazing. And, yeah. And uh, those... Uh, did he do the corpses at the end too? Mm-hmm. Those were his, yeah, work, his work as well. Yeah, great looking. If you if you make it through to the end, I'll you'll be rewarded. I'll there make it through. We'll watch a bunch it of great Living Dead at the end. Yeah, because Eugenia will probably enjoy this if she hasn't seen it, and if she has seen it, it probably hasn't been recently. No. Because yeah, we we watched it again Monday night. Yeah, I think I watched it Monday night as well, and uh, it's been at least fifteen years for me having seen it which is too long. I should have watched this more recently than that, which that's one thing this podcast sure does for us. It's like <laughs> it forces us to revisit things. that so we're when, just... when did you first see it? I first saw this one, I want to say I knew the lore of it. Like, oh yeah, there's this movie called The Hunger and Bowie's in it and Bauhauser at the beginning. And, uh, you know, it's you've got Susan Sarandon early in her career and all mm. this stuff. So I knew the like the... Uh, the lore of this thing, or I should say the um, the uh, the reputation of this thing being a, a good movie that was more artistic. 
and didn't get a chance to watch it until probably late 80s, early 90s. I'm going to guess early 90s. And it was, of course, a, a video rental at the time, which means the format was whatever the square TV format is. 4-3. Um, 4-3, four, three. Four, three, is that what it is? <laughs> I always forget. Uh, extinct is what I like to call it. Yeah. yeah. Square. <laughs> Thankfully extinct. Uh, but yeah, 4-3 aspect Not ratio. Shoe box, like yeah. we have now. Yes, the shoebox ratio. Uh, I like seeing things in the format it was shot or projected mm -hmm. originally. Thank God things went landscape and not portrait. Wouldn't that have been weird? Yeah. Like everything got real tall. Movies got, you know. Yeah. The scale was real big. It had a lot of shots of cities and whatnot. Yep. Tall buildings rather than landscapes. A lot, a lot of movies set on uh, construction scenes. Like when, when you're a kid, you can like hold different like concepts in your head at the same time. And they don't clash. Yeah. Like I, I remember watching all these movies, like especially uh, westerns, uh, on the, on the TV, and everyone would be re like really skinny and uh -huh. doing yeah. the credits, and then they widen out, and it just didn't. It's like it's it just like this weird thing that films did. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't matter. Uh, and sometimes you'd be looking at a dialogue scene with a pair of noses. Uh huh. <laughs> I remember uh, in Star Wars, the pan and scan. There's some scene that we always wondered, like, what is he talking about? I don't mm -hmm. remember quite what it was now. He mentions there's something there. Oh, there's one now. And you, there's nothing on the screen. And it wasn't until later that you know you saw it in letterbox. You're like, oh, there it is. But mm -hmm. it's just on the right-hand side of the screen. Yeah. Not just terrible pants scan. <laughs> well, I was, I was lucky because I, I was in a film society and uh, they, they showed The Hunger. So like the first time I saw it, it was on the big screen. Oh, oh nice. So, uh, th this film is just... The atmosphere just surrounds you when you see it on a, in a yeah. theatrical setting. Yeah, I definitely want to watch it again on the big screen because I was the trying to watch it on the good. computer and mm. it's not as nice. Yeah, yeah, it just envelops you. All the the sound, the stuff they do with the sound and the the visual is great. Yeah. So having seen this on a on a video rental and then later on watching it on probably cable in its proper format or closer to its proper format. Um, I still had not seen this in probably 15 years and it was really nice to see it again because there's a lot about the story that didn't stick with me. It's like, Oh yeah, it's about these vampires, but they don't have fangs. So mm -hmm. they have to use these little knives and, uh, and Bowie's in it. Now, one of the things that this, I just want to sidetrack onto this for a moment um, I didn't read the credits to see if there was a costume designer or if it just had in parentheses, oh, we let Bowie pick no, his own what stuff. Was, what was her name? Miriam? No, not Miriam. That's the... That's the character. Catherine Deneuve <laughs> character. Um, she had a similar name. She was the costume designer. But doesn't it look like they let Bowie pick his own wardrobe? She went to such... Like, one, one time they were they tried to find her uh, and they found out that she'd gone to Rome to get the material for the handkerchief that Bowie would have poking out of his pocket on his suit, oh, really? on his beige suit. Wow. And, like, and she, was, she was like a known fashion designer, so just on her own, out of her own pocket, she just went to Rome to get the right silk or right <laughs> fabric, whatever. 
That's remarkable. Yeah. Where, where was this filmed? London, mostly. It was London. So there's a few exteriors in New York, obviously. But right. Yeah, most of it's in London. Yeah, it felt like there was the several locations, and it did it did feel like it, it was an yeah. English film, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I don't mean English language. I mean, is this a, was this an American company or an English company? Uh, it was... It's, I think it's, it's Warner Brothers, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. So, uh, so it's American, American funding. Yeah. But who's the crew? Uh, so the director's English. Yeah. And several, several of the actors are in, uh, either British or Americans or Canadians who lived around London. So here's a great question about Tony Scott. So he's English. Uh, and he's... he's uh, no longer with us, but uh, he was put in charge of making some of the most American action movies. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, did they just go to him and say, okay, you're English, right? Now we want you to imagine what these jackasses I mean, all you, you hopped up on Mountain period, Dew. This is like the, a golden <laughs> age of British advertising. There's so much money in it and, yeah. and so much creativity coming out of it. So you have him and his brother and uh, you have Alan Parker, is it? I think so. Uh, yeah, they, they, and they were like really pushing styles. So they were like at the forefront, and especially with all the creative stuff coming out of British music. Mm -hmm. You know, the, these people working video and commercials and, and really state-of-the-art stuff. And uh, so it, it's kind of natural that in a, such a style-heavy decade, they were leading the way. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they definitely defined this this whole uh, this whole look and feel of the American action movie uh, throughout the the '90s, anyway, like the mid '80s through all of the '90s. But um, yeah, this uh, this was interesting that uh, I, I read, and I don't I don't have it written down anywhere that um, the inclusion of Bauhaus as the as the musical act at the beginning was. Was it one of the producers was out and saw them in a club? Yeah, Tony Scott was out. Oh, it was, it was actually the director. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Tony Scott saw them in a club and said, hey, these guys are great. Let's, <laughs> yeah. They're very vampiric. I'm making a vampire movie. <laughs> that guy singing is clearly a real vampire. Yeah. So we'll have to film these scenes at night, but let's get that guy. So, again, if you haven't seen Peter Murphy live, whether it's with his you know solo act or with his band Bauhaus remarkable live act he sounds incredible mm. like his guitar playing and singing live is is everything yeah the, the Gotham know. album is really good the concert album yeah. and that's why he cast uh, Willem Dafoe in it as well he wanted that kind of weird yeah he's on screen for like two seconds yeah but it, it counts you know yeah it does what does like, he say he goes hey lady how about it or something like yeah. that yeah it's like one line he wants to use the phone booth yeah. <laughs> hey kids remember phone booths <laughs> oh man <clears throat> hey lady how about it <laughs> they're pounding yeah, that's yeah. yeah how about it yeah so that was what willem dafoe in his probably late teens or early 20s <laughs> that was kind of crazy so anyway um yeah this this was uh really nice to revisit for me anyway mm -hmm. so so you saw this on, on a big screen for the first time mm -hmm. and you were part of a film society. So what were the screenings about? Were they like, oh, we're going to do this for our own purposes for discussion? Or was it like you sold tickets or how, how was the uh, screening? Uh, you just paid for a membership and just went to as many as you wanted. 
Oh, so this was just screened oh, as yeah. like people, anybody could buy a ticket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah there's like a, a nightly fee, or you could just pay for the year and see what you wanted. Did you see any other ones that blew your mind? Yeah. Um, there's this uh, Japanese movie called An Actor's Revenge, which is like super stretched widescreen and uh, just amazing use of the frame. Oh, nice. Um, I think that was my other favorite one. Like, like Lawrence of Arabia level... Like <laughs> screen yeah, use. I don't know what format it was. I, I, I don't think it's available in, in its proper ratio yet, but uh, it, the, it was like really, really wide. And uh, yeah, and, and there's just stuff that really all these diagonals going across the image. It was really impressive. That sounds pretty cool. And the thing was great. Yeah, they showed as much John Carpenter as they could. And yeah, so I saw the thing and, and uh, Escape from New York. Mm -hmm. for the first time on the big screen nice. that's a good one um, I did make a note that I did not like the way they were, they intercut scenes and it chopped out the audio of Bauhaus performing they should have left the audio of the band over the top of the intercut scenes so my note is yes. not liking the intercut scenes chopping up Bauhaus <laughs> am liking the situation at Bowie's house it's really sexy in a shit's gonna go wrong kind of way <laughs> And then they get out the little onk knives, mm -hmm. no fangs, just those. And it looks like they have a they have access to a crematorium. Is that like, yeah? They, they like in our house they have this like basement furnace. <laughs> I think yeah, it was like the incinerator in the building. I thought is that what the deal was? Yeah, I didn't, I couldn't quite tell what it was because they take that girl down there at some point. Yeah. Well, they don't show her throwing anything in, but Susan Sarant or uh, Catherine Deneau, yeah, is down there. So, I don't know what temperature you have to get a furnace or an incinerator to to incinerate a body, but I think it's really, really hot. It's it's pretty hot, and not everything burns. Right, they grind it all up. Yeah, that's something a lot of people don't know maybe don't want to know is that <laughs> when, when, when they burn your body uh there's a lot of recognizable only, parts left you only get a little bit of it so basically it's a, you're not sticking a whole body in that little urn <laughs> no and they use something that looks like the industrial version of a cuisinart uh-huh <laughs> kind of yeah i watched a documentary one time called a certain kind of death and it was about when called chunks <laughs> it might as well have been uh it was about when homeless people die in la yeah and like basically it was like here's what happens silent green yep mm, it's, it's people, people. <laughs> so um and real quick uh, a couple more notes i had was the um He's a scientist or a doctor. He has these really cool glasses. Uh, oh, that guy? Yeah, yes. Yeah. He had like, he was something else, yeah. Yeah, he had like the coolest frames. The gold frames? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, I thought the same thing, though, with the Bauhaus. was like, quit cutting the song. Right. I don't want to see these monkeys eating each other's faces. Mm. Quit cutting the song. All right. And the stuff, yeah, the stuff with the lab monkeys was crazy. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Hard yeah. To watch. Emily couldn't watch that. No, animal cruelty is definitely. Uh, um, is any of that real? 
Uh, when the when the monkeys like winding down, that looked really real. It did. Uh, and then there's obviously like this. They got this like animation for the actual decay, yeah. but yeah, I I couldn't tell if they just drugged that monkey or if that was mm. a dying monkey. Mm. But uh, yeah, uh, it's a, it's it's a tough watch. Harsh, yeah. So um, one of the other notes I made was that um, John asks how long the others took to die is what he means uh well so we think it turns out they don't really die mm-hmm. yeah they just sort of wither and then she goes all right into the box with you <laughs> uh and miriam says she hopes for a miracle she doesn't say oh it's like this she's like nope i'm hoping for a miracle and uh she's clearly having a hard time with this because i think she's really become attached to him and if uh, i remember correctly what i read is that they uh they live about 300 years, two or 300 mm-hmm. years. Yeah, so she's yeah. been together with John for 300 years. Yeah. So that means that these, what, it was five or six corpses that are in the attic um, represent, you know, well over a thousand years. Of yeah, because she, she has flashbacks to Egypt. And yeah, yeah, she's an ancient Egyptian, like all vampires. Yeah. <laughs> really old vampires, anyway. Yes. I don't know where they get that whole thing. I guess the Osiris bit. I think so. She she obviously got as far as France and thought, oh, this accent's great. Gonna yeah. Keep this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I sound I'm Scottish, but I'm sound Spanish, and I'm actually yes. an Egyptian. I'm actually Egyptian. <laughs> that is my favorite part of. Well, not my favorite part of the movie, but that's one of my favorite things about Highlander. Highlander. I hear they're remaking Highlander. Well, they should. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Go ahead. Everyone else does. Oh, fuck it. Make <laughs> just Have make you whatever you want it? over again. Have you rewatched Highlander? Um, it's it's I, uh, really bad. I own it. <laughs> Please go uh, watch it. I think I'll have to watch it. It is because we talked about it right before we started the podcast. Yeah. And I went and rewatched it on a because nobody had mentioned Highlander in a long time, and I wondered why. And now I know, because it, it it's no good. It was no good then. I don't think, and it's gotten worse with age. You have the manners of a goat, and you smell like a dung heap. <laughs> and other great dialogue. I love it's that movie. Such an Egyptian saying. Well, there was a uh, there was a guy Spanish. <laughs> there's a guy I know who who once said. Uh, I've ruined many a good album by going back and listening to it again. Oh, yeah. And I feel like maybe the same thing applies to certain movies. TV shows, definitely. Like your Scrapyard show. Oh, Salvage One. Salvage One. (laughs) Not any good to rewatch, I'm sure. Yeah, that's got to stink up the living room when you're watching it. (laughs) Yeah, some good old boy making a homemade rocket. Sure, why not? So do you think The Hunger has aged well? I think it has. I think it's actually improved. Mm-hmm. There may have been a few years where I would have turned something like that on and said, you know, it looks and feels too much like the 80s. I don't want to watch it. And like you mentioned, it looking like a Nagel painting, mm-hmm. or, you know, and that's actually a compliment. If you think about how concise and very stylized uh, Patrick Nagel's style was in his yeah. paintings. Um the, this, <laughs> this I would say is kind of like uh, if you let it age long enough, it comes back around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's what's happened here. 
for me anyway. Oh, totally. Yeah. So uh, I, li- I like the look and feel of it a lot. And I can understand the pacing and the tone of it if you're not, you know, if you're not in the mood for it or if you're kind of yeah. tired. Yeah, you should just turn it off and rewatch it another time. So, yeah, there's some stuff you just, you can't watch it when you're tired. I think it's got substance as well. It's not just style. Right. To, you know, it's about aging. and It is. Going into a relationship knowing that one or both of you is going to die. Yeah. This all has expiration dates. Yeah. So, yeah, it is affecting. Yeah. That's why I think the, the sex scene is so great. Because it is, you know, you do get the feeling of this is like a bit of joy and a stopover towards death. Right. Uh, and it is, is really beautifully shot. It is. And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that it has substance because it's easy to get hung up talking about style. You know, especially when we're talking about movies all the time, you know, <laughs> as we do. And uh, yeah, it definitely does have substance to it. And uh, this sort of thing, you know, aging and death and mismatched uh, longevity in a relationship. Yeah, this sort of stuff, uh, it, it's, it's very real. This is very much about the human condition and none of us gets out of this alive. And as far as being immortal, uh, you know, that's one of the things about vampire movies. It's like, yes, they're immortal, except... Mm-hmm. Unless you dot dot dot. Well, another thing, another direction you can go in is uh, immortality being pretty terrible. Yeah, it's like it may sound like a great idea, but you know, I'll, I'll take mortality, please. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it would be it would be nice to know that everybody at least gets a good long life uh, to to the point they would like. But um, the unknown is part of what makes it a cool thing. Mm-hmm. This whole mortality business. So, uh, any favorite scenes in this, Jolene? Uh, well, I, yeah, I, I think that the the sex scene is great, and mm-hmm. um, I liked seeing Shane Rimmer in it because I just love him. Um, uh, apparently, Jane Leaves is in it. If you're mm. a fan Jane of Frasier, really? Yeah, Daphne Moon. She's yeah. in it. I, I didn't spot really? her. Yeah. She must have been quite young. She's not. She's not credited or anything. But okay. Oh wow. She's in there somewhere apparently. I have to keep a look out for her. Um, the woman who plays Lily Bell is Bessie Love, mm. who was she? She's been in movies since 1915. Yeah, I was gonna say it's... she was in D.W. Griffith movies. Okay. Wow. Uh, she was in The Lost World 1925. Wow. <laughs> she was in Intolerance 1916. And she was in Vampires, 1974. Holy crap. And the other... Okay, you'll think I'm a nerd now. <laughs> now? Um, the other DW to Griffith connection is the cover of the single of Bela Lugosi's Dead uh-huh. is an image from Sorrows of Satan, which is a DW Griffith movie from 1926. Okay. Wow. With the guys caught in the shadow of a giant like bat. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, definitely going to have to pull that up and maybe pop that up on Instagram for people to see. Yeah. Yeah, we're not... Yeah, hard... I, I saw it everywhere. I mean, did you know any goths? Goths? Yeah. Uh, the goths I knew were about goths. It's the three stages. Because oh, you're, you're, you're in a sunny state. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm from New Mexico. There's no real goths right. there. 
Yeah, I was... Although Santa Fe is full of vampires, and I would never go there after dark. <laughs> I was friends with some goths in college. Yeah, me too. And uh, some people who might later have become goths in high school. But definitely in college, I was friends with. And, you know, the weird thing is, like, I had a lot in common as far as what I liked and yeah. the, the aesthetics that I enjoyed and everything. Yeah. I just wasn't going to paint. I was never a goth, yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't going to paint my face and put on a cape. No. But I, I totally hung out with these guys all the time. And we liked all the same shit. Except for, you know, they they, they mostly just listened to goth music. Yeah, yeah these weren't like shiny goths, what you call a hot topic goths. Right. These are like people who are creating their own stuff. Yes. Yeah. Customizing things. And... Yeah, and I'm talking like early to mid-90s when uh, Hot Topic may have existed in its infancy, but no, you know, everybody who was a punk or a goth mm. or what have you would have to DIY any of that shit. Yeah. But, but this movie, like the, the posters and stuff, they'll be everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this was definitely one of those mainstays for anyone who is into the goth scene they would they would want to own a copy of this um, even though it was the crappy old square they all format. speak french <laughs> what kind of goths are we talking about oh we're not are talking about not, not visigoths <laughs> vandals what are we talking about here <laughs> the barbarian hordes <laughs> the barbarian hordes no we're just we're just talking skinny pale people who uh who like wearing capes yeah, uh, the crowd of kids that graduated the year after me, there was a whole group of goths that I hung out with, but I wouldn't consider them real gothy people. It's weird that there's a... Um... Goth light? <laughs> yeah. Like, if you, just, if you just trace them back to before they discovered what, they could be a goth, Yeah, it's like, what were they doing before that, exactly, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like something, I think something hits you at a certain age and you're like, this is my thing. I know that this is, this is my stuff here. Like I was, uh, I was in, um, Twist and Shout, the record store, uh, and went, you know what? And I walked over to the record bins and I bought one of the 45s that my mom had given me when I was a kid. And it was a school day by Chuck Berry. Uh-huh. It's like there were like three records that my brother and I played until they couldn't play anymore. It was the and these were original pressings, of course, oh. and uh, and and that's what I'm buying now. Um, but it was Hound Dog by Elvis Presley, Walk the Line by Johnny Cash, <laughs> and School Day by Chuck Berry. Those are the three that we just played the shit out of those records. Sure. And from a young age, it's like I like rock and roll. And then later on in life, you hear a different kind of rock and roll and you go, now I like that too. And I think I like that more. And at some point in time, it's not enough. And it's just like any other drug. You just you keep looking for like the, the bigger high, the better high. Yeah. And how about you? What were your first records? Uh, I had a bunch of kids records. I had something called. Professor Goose or something. Professor Gander, I think it was. It's like Peter Pan label kind uh-huh. of stuff. Yeah. And it was either that one or I had uh, Long John, or not Long John, uh, The Lone Ranger, mm. which on the reverse side was the William Tell Overture. Mm-hmm. And either it was Professor Gander or I believe it was the William Tell Overture. I played it 
over and over and over again, and my mom got up and walked over and picked it up and whacked it against the edge of the oh, table no. and broke it. I tossed it back on the table and went back to reading her book, and I had no more Lone Ranger oh. or Professor Gander. It may have been both. I don't know. Evidently, I don't remember Professor Gander at all, but it really affected my parents, and they cringe to this day if you missed, mention it. It was evidently a really kind of snotty-sounding guy redoing uh mother goose stories wow and it was evidently quite obnoxious <laughs> oh dear that's crazy <clears throat> and then i don't think i had any records until i think i got tapes after that i don't think i actually grew up with many records what's the first thing you bought for yourself that you remember uh weird al oh yeah yeah i bought weird al's first tape that's great uh <laughs> had them all i may still have all my weird al tapes i don't remember <laughs> but i had like his very first thing that had a another one rides the bus on yeah. it and, hey mickey or Did hey you, ricky i guess it was called yeah that was the about lucy but yeah. it was the tony basil uh-huh sort of parody did you have access to dr demento on the radio where you uh lived? no i didn't um I think I saw Weird Al on MTV. As you would. Yeah. As I would, and I don't remember what it was. Uh, but I remember going looking for a Thompson's Twins <laughs> cassette, and, and they didn't have it at the Kmart, so I bought Weird Al oh, that's great. instead. And like a lot of things I did, you know, I never saw the original movie. I only read the Mad Magazine <laughs> Yeah. You know, parody. I never heard the real song. I only know the Weird Al version. <laughs> Makes it odd. So you had to work in reverse from the parody to the, uh -huh. to the real thing. Yeah. So everything starts funny and then you work to the serious. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I know for sure the first record I bought with my own money when I was in my early teens was um, Kiss Alive. <laughs> nice. That double live album yeah. from 1975. <laughs> I was like, I gotta have that live version of Rock and Roll All Night. Mm. Yeah, so, this would have been, I would have been probably five or six when I bought my first cassette. Oh, wow. You were ahead of it. Yeah. So my folks had a cassette player in the car. <laughs> you should uh, call your folks up from a different phone number and just play the William Tell Overture <laughs> into the phone. <laughs> they won't remember. They'll be like, what? What? I've got a version of that by the Portsmouth Symphony Orchestra. Nice. Uh, they they uh, have you heard of them? Uh uh They um, I think it they began as this, this concept uh, by Brian Eno. Okay. But it it is basically all they're all people who could play instruments, but he'd swap them around so that oh, they weren't playing stuff they okay. were used to. So they can kind of play it, and they know where it's supposed to go, but they don't get there, and it's hilarious. And they oh, do this William man. Tell Overture one, which just goes out of control. Okay, I'm gonna have to look that up. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've got it on disc, I think. Yeah. Nice, that's cool. <laughs> All right, so uh, back into the movie. Uh, yeah, there are. A well, few... I, 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 uh, the first. Um, oh yeah, what about uh, you? Record I got for classical music was the Hunger soundtrack. Cause I loved the classical pieces on this. That's awesome. It got me into it. Yeah, there was a whole thing about the music in this. Um, 
like they it wasn't all about Bauhaus. Yeah, they they got Harold Blake who who did um, he's famous for doing the Snowman mm-hmm. animated thing. Oh yes, uh, and he did Flash Gordon, the orchestral bits and that, and then went to Amityville three D. But anyway, he he all the orchestrations for this were re-recorded, you know, redone by him, um, and then yeah, you've got a variety of chamber pieces and you know as well as the Iggy Pop and Bauhaus stuff, and 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 there's kind of interesting uh, electronic stuff where they have this kind of glassy sound mm-hmm. um, but yeah yeah. Um, so it's got Allegri and Delib and Ravel and Schubert so that's something you can listen to and it's like oh you're listening to classical music yeah, but I you're rem- kind of gothing out at the same time right <laughs> <laughs> I remember I, I had a recording of it on tape and, and uh, I was being driven by my parents and I thought oh, I'll stick this on because they like classical music mm-hmm. and I forgot about all the other stuff that's on the album oh. <laughs> so all of a sudden you get the screaming going on and they almost crash the car oh man <laughs> it's like when some jerk puts like a, a honking horn or a siren into a radio commercial yes <laughs> that irritates me mm. that's something they shouldn't yeah. yeah there should be some FCC rules on that so, um, yeah, as far as the movie goes, uh, a lot of great scenes in it. Um, the the ending part where we do see the sort of uh, almost like zombie horde attack. Yes. Of, of yeah, the, it gets what you see comics at the end. It? Yeah, it does. It feels a lot like that. Uh, the the past lovers are, do they get out of their boxes or does mm-hmm. she let them out? Does Susan Sarandon's character? Because... Susan Sarandon has kind of sabotaged the, you know, without meaning to, she's kind of upset the process. Yes. And so all the ex-lovers have, have come out of the attic and they pursue Miriam. Yeah. And so the uh, the flip gets script, the, the script gets flipped on Miriam at this point mm-hmm. because then, um, damn it, what's Susan Sarandon's character's name? Uh, Dr. Sarah Roberts. Yes, Dr. Roberts. Uh, she becomes... Dr. Roberts. Dr. Roberts <laughs> becomes the, the head vampire, and uh, Miriam becomes uh, a woman enslaved in a box. Yeah, because she, she like means to kill herself. Yes. And uh, you know escape the addiction. But mm-hmm. then because she passes the blood back to Miriam. Yeah. Because like when um, Susan Saran got the script, she thought that was that's what hooked her. The interesting bit was like she that her character would kill herself to escape the addiction, even though it was immortal immortality and everything. Right. Uh, she'd rather kill herself. And uh, but then they the executives wanted the possibility for sequels. They have that uh, coda where she's in a new apartment. Yeah. With all with all the attractive people around her, and um, of course, without hitting you over the head with it, it's pretty clear that uh, that her character, Doctor Roberts, is bisexual, which was not something that was in every film in 1983. So I thought that was fairly daring uh, for mainstream yeah. uh, consumption. But was by the time Top Gun came out. <laughs> well, yeah, Tony Scott's other film in 1986 he couldn't get it right on the hunger so he got it right on top gun and if anybody's wondering is volleyball 
<laughs> Falling ball is homoerotic. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Top Gun overall is homoerotic. Yeah, you, you pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. We're not saying there's right. anything wrong with it. It's no. just like, quit acting like it's not there, you guys, because it's totally there. You'd had all those like Carmilla films in the, yeah. the early 70s. Oh, yeah. And, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess this was the most mainstream. And The Hunger didn't do well. No, I don't think. I know it picked up enough of a cult following that they did the TV series. Oh, is there? Yeah, there's there's like Canadian anthology series. I think Tony Scott did the first episode, and David mm. Bowie hosts it. But it's it's a different, you know, it's yeah. like a different like stories, an and it's not connected to the yeah movie, which is probably the smart thing to do. But um, I think that audiences are pretty divided on this even now because. I looked to see what the Rotten Tomatoes rating was on it. it oh, was like, it's terrible. It was like 48%, which means slightly more than half of people who watched it went, nope, didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they probably did like a bunch of shit we would turn our noses up at. So, you know. Yeah, if you like this, watch, you know, Daughters of Darkness or, you know, there's plenty of good arty vampire movies. The Nude Vampire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's a, a ton of Jess Franco stuff you could watch. It's a little garish, but you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I like most of those like Carmilla ones from the early seventies. They're mostly pretty good. I'll have to check that out. Vampire Lovers, that's a good one. So, um have you recommended this a lot to people over the years? No. No? I mean it's definitely one of my favourite vampire movies. You're just not very evangelical about movies. No. <laughs> I just know I I'm I'm weird and as like if I, you know Nine times out of ten, if I say, "Oh, this is this is cool," people go, "Oh, that's that's just weird." Yeah, he likes weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was talking to somebody at a party this past weekend who really likes film noir, mm. and he likes old black and white movies. And he's like, "You know, my kids are the right age to where we could start watching movies together, and I really want them to be introduced to black and white movies and enjoy them, instead of thinking everything needs to be in color." And I, and I just said, "Well, then you." You have to be careful about what you give them. You can't just mm-hmm. like, here's some Hitchcock, here's mm-hmm. some film noir, mm-hmm. here's, you know. But um, but there's definitely something to be said, I think, for, you know, mining the past like that to have a better understanding of what you're getting now. It was like you were saying with Star Wars, they're just making the same yeah. movie over and over because, you know, they know they're getting generations coming in who, haven't, who weren't around for the first one. Yeah. Too bad those aren't available somehow yeah. to watch. Um, well, shit, now I can't remember what I was going to say about that. But so, oh, I was just going to say you just turn the color off the television, and then everything they watch could be black and white. Did I ever tell you about the time I watched Black Robe and didn't know it was in color? Oh, really? Yeah, I was watching this thing, and I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. That like there's these these Algonquin guys with the Mohawks and the and people are like trying to kill each other yeah, in this whole yeah. fur trapping situation. Mm. And what a weird choice. They shot it in black and white. And I watched like a good 20 minute segment of this thing. And there's like some really crazy action and not a lot of dialogue. 
and I'm just enthralled with the fact that, and then all of a sudden some used car commercial comes on, and it's in black and white too. <laughs> this is probably back in the late 80s or early 90s or whenever that, whenever Black Robe was. At least it wasn't Wizard of Oz. <laughs> right. You get, to, you get to Oz, and if it was still in black and white, you'd miss a whole lot. Yep, you would. Wow, I didn't even know. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Isn't this the part where money kicks in and then Dorothy's face changes and then it goes to color? It never went no. to color. Have you seen the Blu-ray of that? Uh-uh. It's just trippy. Oh, I should watch <laughs> it. Yeah, she, get, she gets to Oz and, it, uh, and, but, she, and it's this amazing color. I remember when it came out on DVD just having watched it on TV and then watched like a cleaned up DVD was mm -hmm. pretty amazing. Yeah. So I imagined Blu-ray. Yeah, it's just... I'll have to check it out. It's just like you're an acid I'm, or something. I'm not... I'm I'm liking the Blu-ray quite a bit. Mm. I'm, you know, I watch a lot of DVDs, but I never felt the need to go buy them. But now I'm like, oh, I want to buy Blu-rays. <laughs> yeah, Blu-rays are gorgeous. Yeah. I heard somebody on another podcast talking about the potential... Highest potential frame rate that you could get streaming something high def versus what you can get from Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. And it was something like like 8 or 10 at best versus 30-something, like 33, um, for, I guess, frames per second or, oh, okay. or however that, however, whatever the frame rate or the bit, or I'm sorry, the bit the rate. Bit rate. Yeah. The bit rate. I'm saying that wrong. Yeah. So the bit rate is... Uh, is vastly better mm -hmm. streaming <laughs> no watching a blu-ray oh blu-ray versus, yeah, versus yeah. streaming and so that's why when you want to watch one of your favorite movies that you are going to revisit you know you're going to revisit yeah, just buy the blu-ray or if you're jolian just buy the blu-ray <laughs> what <laughs> just buy, buy the 35 millimeters <laughs> just buy the blu-ray every time <laughs> yeah whenever possible oh yeah i, I do anything else if I can help it. Yeah, why would you go, oh, yeah, I'll just get this until uh, whenever they come out with next. Yeah. I know the the Manster's coming out in Blu-ray later this year. The Manster? Yeah. <laughs> the Manster. I don't know what the Manster is. It's this American-Japanese movie from the late 50s <gasps> oh. about this guy who grows two heads, or he grows an extra head. Yes. Uh, I think Stephen Bissett had some. Oh, Somebody yeah. had a blurb that on their mm -hmm. facebook with a little yeah. i've not heard of the manster the only way you can see it now is that these pretty you know worn out copies of copies yeah on on dvd but uh yeah definitely get that i oh, hope it has man. both versions on it like the japanese version on it i have to check that out the manster <laughs> well <coughs> you will be able to check it out because i'll be getting it yeah that's awesome We'll have to review it for the show. The Manster. We, we were talking about other movies of 1983, and of course, uh, our old favorite, The Boxer's Omen. Oh, yeah. Also came out this year. Do you remember that one, Will? <laughs> Vaguely. Yes, I do remember The Boxer's Omen. When I threw that um, sort of housewarming party for my new apartment, and it was uh, Asian food slash Asian horror was the theme yep. of the party. Because you were in your right mind when it was on. Was I the, was. was the other guys who were just yeah I had a couple of drinks but I think I think I had a few a couple, drinks yeah a but... couple of the guys were fairly lit man and, that was uh, a good one yeah I made no entrails of a beautiful woman but right. it was a good one and made almost as much but, sense but I, I mentioned it to Richard when we were talking about films of 83 and and uh, 
we thought maybe some someday we should do um, uh, movies to watch when you're stoned. <laughs> because that was such fun watching the stone people watch that movie oh yeah Man, yeah it was <laughs> yeah it was so weird like yeah come on over we'll watch some stuff uh and i just told jolian pick the weirdest stuff you yeah, can think pick of the weirdest one you have okay <laughs> and uh, i should have thought to ask and if you were to do that how weird would that be <laughs> so the sky's the limit on weirdness apparently mm-hmm. um I made a bunch of uh, pad thai, if I remember right. I, mm-hmm. I was yeah. stir-frying noodles and kind of peeking into the room going, wow, this is just getting weirder every time I look around the corner. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, this is a big recommend, and I am more evangelical about recommending movies than, than you guys are, maybe. I, I always tell people, no, you have to see this. <laughs> I will... I will force your eyelids open with these toothpicks and make you watch it. Well, the only other person apart from you two I have to experiment on, on is my wife. <laughs> right. And our listeners. Don't forget our listeners. Yeah. All over the world. Like we've, uh, I keep forgetting to, to print out the screenshots, but we've, uh, we finally uh, gotten past the Iron Curtain. We've, we've had listeners in Russia. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> fake reviews but we've uh yeah we've had uh all kinds of listeners in all kinds of countries and uh maybe we'll do that for next time is i'll grab our stats and screenshot them and we'll we'll read off some cities and countries where we're being listened to somehow i don't know how but the internet's everywhere it is isn't it i've heard about something called ham radio yes <laughs> Uh, so next week yeah so did we decide anything for next week don't think so okay 84 did you just assume and and just like we should just do Nightmare on Elm Street well I sent you that list of movies from 84 oh I have to look at it but uh, yeah Nightmare on Elm Street yeah we could do that probably let me throw this idea out here and I thought of this last night and I should have mentioned it off mic but I'll say it now what about original versus remake of Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah. Uh, Jolie. We can do it. You look reticent to uh, <clears throat> let Jackie Early, Earl Haley into our <laughs> I, podcast. I didn't, I didn't mind that one. Um, we could, uh, yeah, we could do that. We haven't done that in a long time. We could, uh, in 85, we're going to watch Reanimator, right? That's the thing. And I believe I am going to be in Phoenix. So I'm thinking of maybe doing a two part thing. Okay. Maybe inviting Brian and Crystal and maybe Dustin to uh, talk about it with me, and then we'll record our session and and just run them two in a row. Okay. 85A and 85B. Oh, I'm talking like let's just have a bonus episode or then, or a really fat long episode with like why are these people talking now? <laughs> I pull my earbuds off for a second to uh, sign for this package, and all of a sudden there's different people in my ear. All right. All right. So uh, let's do Nightmare on Elm Street, original versus remake, unless you can't handle it, don't want to, just say so. I can handle it. I can handle it. You can handle Boxer's <laughs> Omen. You can handle fucking Jackie Nightmare Elm Street. Nightmare as hell. Yeah. <laughs> That's my problem with it. It's too mild. <clears throat> yeah, it's not, it's not weird enough. Okay, so we'll do that. Uh, listeners, if you want to listen to us talk about that uh, and know what we're talking about, go watch them both. And join us, or just, you know, join us. Um, anything else before we get out of here? No. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. <laughs> I'll sit down, yeah.
White on white, translucent black capes Back on the rack Colorful goose is dead The bats have left the bell tower The victims have been bled by velvet lines The black box Colorful goose is dead